podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All right, here we go. This is the Talking Texas Podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is Daniel. It's the kid that lives and breathes called Half Hope. It's Carl Anker. How are you doing, everyone? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? This is episode 150. Can you guys? That's like that's like three years. You've done it. <laughs> 150. That's the key thing. Was it worth it? Or did we just waste our, our, our lives and our time that we can't get back? <laughs> it depends on who you ask, I guess. But you know, I've had fun. So it is what it is. Um, yeah, episode 150. I don't know. Is 50 really a milestone? Maybe like just a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, but you know, it's cool nonetheless. Um, anytime we get to like a, a round number, like 40, 30, I like it. So shout out to everybody that's listened to over 150 episodes. Hopefully we can keep this thing going. Um, remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, shout out to you guys. Give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Um, remember, you can leave a five-star review and we'll read it on the show. We did get one this week. It's pretty long, but I'm going to read it nonetheless because I think it's it's a good one. This is from Seth Williams. It says, trying to stay alive. I just wanted to say that this podcast is so inspiring for the African-American youth. I love this yes. podcast. It is always a part of my weekly routine. The chemistry between the members is unreal. You feel a part of the conversation. Every member has a special viewpoint on all the topics. I want to thank Double H, Daniel, and he says Kyle, but I think he means Carl, so sorry about that. Uh, for all they do, they should be so I'm proud Kyle. of their work. It's the wrong there, so the spelling is you know hit or miss, but the message is nice. Um, they should be so proud of their work and their influence on fans. They are the best analyzers of soccer or the beautiful game out there. Each episode is unique and always offers something new. Though some points can piss you off, it is good fun. P.S. Ronaldo is a horseman. Just trying to live, trying to stay alive. Super malt, super malt. Manchester United, best team to ever exist. 20 times, 20 times. Young African-American from the U.S. So, clearly <laughs> super waltz, super waltz. <laughs> but yeah, sh- shout out to Seth. Thank you for the review. Um, those ones always mean a lot because it, it hits where it's supposed to hit. So I appreciate that. So yeah, we will get cough, to the cough. transfer news later because I think there's more transfer news than international football news. So we'll start with AFCON this time. Oh, um, yeah. Senegal beat Tunisia. Yay, that's fun. But the the main match that we should probably talk about is yeah, Nigeria, modest. Algeria. <laughs> What? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the Desert yes. Foxes overcame Nigeria in thrilling circumstances on you Sunday evening. Sick, sick, sick people, man. Uh, <laughs> it was a great game. It was a great game. Riyad Mahrez having a shot that went off a Nigerian defender, which classified as an own goal. And then in the last minute, fantastic clutch performance from Riyad Mahrez. Uh, 94th minute in a 95-minute game, including stoppage mm. time. Bent in. I say bent in. He saw, he really whacked that free kick. It scored with the final kick of the game, causing delirious scenes in both Algeria, sections of Paris, and around Frinsby Park in London. We've got mm. an African Cup of Nations final this Friday. It'll be this Friday at 8 p.m. UK time. How are you feeling about Nigeria, do you think that was a deserved result? Where do you think Nigeria, Nigeria's national team goes next? It was a fully deserved victory by Algeria. That's why I'm not angry or sad. Any Nigerian who is angry or sad after that part of crap performance, then you know, you, you're you're a fanboy and you're a cheerleader. Algeria was a, was a better team, 100%. And I think this is it's what I always feared. Nigeria had not faced anyone of any real quality. They did lose to Madagascar, though. But they don't face anyone of any real quality, and that defense always worried me. And the fact that they didn't easily beat teams that were much less than Algeria, as a uh, you're not facing easily the best team of the of the tournament. And yeah, they got shown up. I mean, Algeria's because what I always say is that if you want to really test a shaky defense, which is that Nigeria defense, ball over the top, hit the ball in the air, because that is what a shaky defense that's not confident hits. So that's ball over the air, those aerial balls. Omero and Icon were having issues dealing with, with that. So I just think like Algeria just looked like much more of a cohesive team. They had an idea. They had a personality. Nigeria, I didn't know what their personality was. They didn't have any idea. And you've got a manager who can't think of an alternative to a goal. Like if you've seen that your team can't breach a defense, hmm, maybe try and pick an attacker with a different characteristic. But what does Raw do? 
I'll take off Chukis, I'll leave on a Gallo who can't run, and I'll put Oyekuru out wide. But it's like, bro, how does that tactically change the system when you've not had any real shots on target because this defense have statically shut you down. You need to do something completely different to give them something different to worry about. So, but Ojed, they totally deserve it. And yeah, for Maris, captain, star of the team, face of the team, that's what it's about. You know, that's what it's about. You know, um, it's about being clutch and really coming up big in the clutch moments and really delivering for your nation. And I think, you know, with that, Algeria are, for me, I think they've already, I think they, 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 they've won this, this cup. And it's going to be a ridiculous party in Algiers because the scenes I saw after them just winning this semi, those scenes <laughs> when they actually win this AFCON on Friday, my lord in heaven, my lord in heaven. I mean, because because Finsbury Park is actually quite close to where I live. So, yeah. I was reading something that a French politician wanted Nigeria to win. It's like racist as but the, the the politician wanted Nigeria to win instead of Algeria because he didn't want Algerians in Paris to like celebrate and be happy. What if Zidane played for Algeria? What if Benzema played for Algeria? I'm not sure whether Joachim is Algerian, but imagine if Benzema, Zidane, Joachim, and all of these players actually played for Algeria. So that's really interesting you mentioned that. So, well, Joachim is of a French father and Armenian mother. So he has a close akin to Heinrich Mkhitaryan than he does Zinin Zidane. But the interesting thing you point out is about Algeria. So Algeria, since basically 2012, has had a very, very, very strong um, impetus to naturalize French-born players of Algerian heritage as soon as possible. So they got to 2012 and we're sick and tired of players like Benzema, of, of the Zidane's, and to a lesser degree, I believe, Samir Nazri. So quite a lot of the French-born Algerian players live were born in and around Marseille. Marseille is known for having a big immigrate, immigrant population. Uh, basically, someone in the Algerian FA when all these really good football players are deciding to play for France rather than to play for Algeria. If we make a dedicated effort to sort out our FA and get them to play for us as soon as possible, we could have a very, very good national team. You saw the seeds of this in Brazil 2014 when they very nearly beat the Germans in the World Cup uh, round, last round of 16. And then I don't think they made... Russia, did they? No. Yeah, no, they didn't. Uh, and like, Russia was a bit of a failure. But what, what, this, what you're seeing in this Algerian national team is years of them going, the moment a kid from Marseille with Algerian parents shows a, like, a little bit of promise, let's get him naturalized. Not naturalized. Let's get him to play for RFA rather than France's FA. Um, there's a really good video, those interested, on Vox or Vox Pops, which basically explained that what, like France... The, like the largest amount of players at this year's World at this year's World Cup at the 2018 World Cup came from France, and it wasn't just the French players, but it was also players from Morocco were born in France, and players from Algeria were born in France, and from other re and some of them from Ivory Coast were born in France. France has become sort of a global incubator for international football, which, as we've said on this podcast before, yeah, transfers don't exist in international football, but larger countries always benefit in international football because they can basically go to smaller countries hey to their parents hey why don't you immigrate emigrate over here we've got like healthcare and money and more opportunities for jobs there was a really interesting segment from uh Koulibaly in his players should be an article where he explained why he eventually chose to play for Senegal despite the fact that he very easily could have opted for France what's happening now with quite a few of the African teams are the level is getting better because very good players who would have previously chosen to play for their let's be real, former colonial masters mm. uh, are now opting to play for their African teams. Case in point, Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, I, I just went quickly went through the, the Algeria team, and I think the number that I had was 13 or 14 of the 23 were born in France. More than half the team. Wow. And your best player. Who, who by the way, I remember when we did the Zidane special, I was talking with uh, Maher, and he said that in Algeria, Mares is more loved than Zidane. Because Zidane chose to play for France when he had those Algerian roots. But someone like Mares came from France to Algeria and has been accepted and embraced by them. So, yeah, I can only imagine what that level of like love and support and just fanhood has gone like with that kick. You know how they have those overhead cams of like big crowds when they're watching like on a jumbotron or like a big screen? And as soon as the free kick went in, like you saw like nine flares just... Just everybody just went, ah, just crazy. Like the the level of passion for football in North Africa, Algeria, Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco is insane. So I can only imagine what's going on. 
Um, again, if they win the final, this is like your semi-final celebration. The final, like... <laughs> Yeah, because, because they haven't won since 1990, man. I don't know if parents have enough this. police. I don't know if they have enough police for what that's gonna be, bro. Like that's gonna be crazy. Or, or they'll, they'll just let the suburbs burn. They don't care about them. No, anyway. no, but, but, but like literally, like <laughs> there's they will build a statue in gold of Mares. Like all the all them, they're gonna be heroes. They'll they'll, they'll be heroes. Mares, you you're getting a statue if you can deliver that Afcon. They're building a a, a statue of you. So so double is it right that Kulabali's not playing in the final? Yeah, he's not playing. So suspension um, or injury yeah, or what's no, up? No, suspension, suspension. He got he got a yellow card for his handball in the Tunisia game, so he's out. Like he shouldn't not play a final because you got a yellow. Or if, if you get a red in the semifinal, all right, like you messed that one up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, like really? Yeah, that's that's trash. It's Mane versus Mares, basically. I mean, I don't know how Senegal win. That's the thing. Like just when I'm watching all of the the games. Senegal just have never really. Senegal only had one really good half, and that was the second half against and Bennett. But overall, they've not really impressed me. Whereas Algeria have literally been the best team all the way through. Yeah. So I don't see how Senegal beat Algeria. It is interesting though that the final is two local coaches. Mm. So Algeria have their coach, who's I think he's not past fifty yet. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Um, but yeah, he's from Algeria, and then Senegal have Alou Cisse, who's also from Senegal. So, but yeah, and also funny thing, the Algerian manager he also played for Man City as well. But yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting like, compared to maybe like Nigeria, for instance, who like seem if they've gone like the foreign coach route, colonial the colonial route. The colonial <laughs> route. Although, like I mean, you could look at teams like Ghana who've had like local coaches as well. That that doesn't always mean it goes well, you know. No, 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 no. no, no but my whole thing is like. How many yeah. chances and how much time and how lenient are you to those local coaches? And are you more lenient to those foreign coaches? Because again, I think it's it's the whole thing in Africa. Look, I've lived in Nigeria, so I know it's the white man is just seen as being better. You know, so once a white guy says, like, Oh no, he, he he's better, we must we must do it the European way, we must do it the, the white man's way, because their way just is better. And you just look down on people who look like like you. It's like, oh yeah, look, he's also like, so we could just mess him around and everything. But if it's a white guy, nah, no, we have to be different and everything like that with this white guy. So um, that's just unfortunately the moment. However, no, like he's like he's actually like a, a really good international coach. But if you like look at all the teams that he's been through, it's like, yo, he's managed like eight African nations or seven, maybe something like that. It's like, yo, he he, he just running through all the FA no, money, he, huh? He's going. I mean, he goes around. I mean, I was gonna say something, but you probably cut it off. But it's like. <laughs> It's like a prostitute, man. You I, know? So, yeah, so. I, I can imagine. But like, he was Claude Leroy's assistant at one point, and that's another guy who just runs through all the African FAs. So you just find these particular coaches. Oh that yeah, are that's always... the guy that looks like Tim Burton, Claude, Claude Leroy. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like his face is melted, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so final predictions: we have Senegal, we have Algeria. Carl, I'll start with you. You got like a score or just like a gut feeling, maybe. I think this is Algeria's time. I really think this is their crowning moment. They've got the momentum and they've got Riyad Mahrez. Something I really want to talk about is basically the knock-on effect. The 2019 and 2020 Premier League season is going to have a massive knock-on effect for the first 10 games because you've got to bear in mind, all of Liverpool's front three have still been playing football until mid-July. Mm. What state are they going to be in when the season starts in August? Man City have lost quite, had quite a few players at the Copper America and the Afcon. Yes, realizes maybe a squad option, but there are a good half dozen to a dozen players who you would assume can swing football tournaments or swing a Premier League title. You got to bear in mind we also had the Nations League as well, taking away quite a few Dutch and English players. That quite a few players aren't going to be in tip-top condition at the start of the season, so you. You could very much have Watford in and around the top four again until Christmas. Your thoughts for for this final? I just think like um, Senegal, you know, they have good players as well, and also Sen- Senegal have currently, as a right now, probably the worst footballer on 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 the planet. Basically, they have who I consider the worst professional football player on the planet, who I just made a skull in the brick academy. So when you have that in your team. You know, that's like already like a handicap. So I just think like Algeria, better team. They'll have the best player. And you know what? Maybe as of right now, I mean, Mahrez might, based on just form, I think Mahrez might, might be the best African player in the world right now. Algeria haven't won this competition in, I think, 29 or 28 years. 1990. 
do the math. Yes. I can do the so, math. So, so 29 years. 29 years, yeah, yeah. And oh, they good. just got rid of their, like, dictator, like, this year. So I think, like, for the story of Algeria, just, like, the kind of transition period that they're in, like, the football team being kind of like a beacon in some way, I think that would be really cool. So I'll be rooting, I guess. And this is very weird for me because I barely root for the North Africans, but just for the story of it. I think we're, I, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Algeria. If Senegal win, like, I, I won't be mad. But, like, just for the story of what's going on in Algeria politically, I think it would be cool if they had, like, that team that could, like, kind of bring people together. I think that'd be – they probably already have after seeing the celebrations. But, like, to actually bring the cup home, um, that would be a cool story. So we can we can do transfer news. Griezmann, it's official. Antoine. 120 million euros from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona. Wait, 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 I was going to say transfer, but – one one twenty. Oh, hundred twenty million euros. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So basically, they shifted like Atletico. They're like, okay, we're never going to get the one twenty from Barcelona for Griezmann. So let's like trigger the release clause for Yao Felix, and you know, they break even. Wait, so, wait, 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 but I think aren't they still pissed? Because apparently, Atletico said they're going to still open legal proceedings based on how Barcelona were shady. So Griezmann agreed personal terms before July first. Mm-hmm. Then when July first came. Barcelona then made the, the bid because July first is when they could then trade. Is when I think the value could then come down. Is when the release fee is when the release clause went down from two hundred to one twenty. Gentlemen's agreement that the bid would be made on July first, what for one hundred and twenty, and that they would all wait until July first when the fee would drop, which is why Atletico went out on board João Felix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when July first came, Griezmann already made his statement saying he was leaving. He moved to Barcelona, and it all seemed. Everything was, you know, fine or whatever. And then it appears that Barcelona on July 1st went to Atletico Madrid and went, hey, so we're going to pay this in installments, right? Atletico Madrid went, uh, no, we want 120 up front. Where's the money? Griezmann didn't turn up for preseason training. Atletico being of the opinion of until 120 million is tabled, Griezmann is still a Madrid player. So either turn up for training or Barcelona, or tell Barcelona to give all the money. Griezmann was trying to do nothing. Barcelona were in the wind because obviously they have the very uh, real well what is appearing to be the very real chance of signing Neymar and they appear, apparently wanted to pause uh, the purchase of Griezmann because trying to get Griezmann and Neymar is near impossible and it, it, it for a, a little bit it looked as if Griezmann would be sent home and, and made to and sent home I say was would be made to return to Atletico Madrid and continue his uh, another season with a new squad number but Thankfully, all situations have been resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, am I allowed to ask you a question? What do you think Barcelona's front three will be at the start of the new La Liga season? What it will be or what it should be or what I think they're What do you think do? it will be, bearing in mind Valverde and his tendencies? He's going to play Griezmann, obviously play Messi and Griezmann behind the Cannibal, but he's going to have Griezmann as like a supporting striker to the Cannibal. And message is going to be having is going to be given like much more of a free role. I think the the Us is out is out of there. Coutinho is out of there. So Griezmann supporting striker to Cannibal and Messi a bit further back, giving a number ten free free role. That's how it's going to go. I don't necessarily know if they're going to play four three three. I don't know if that makes sense. Or or maybe they could play like a four four two diamond or something like that. That way you could have Busquets at the base still within like two midfielders maybe like De Jong if you want and Artur if you want or something like that and then Messi in the number 10 then you have the two strikers with Griezmann like Hope says the support striker with Suarez yeah but then that puts I mean it gives it gives Valverde options in terms of you might have Coutinho you might have Dembele but then if they if <laughs> see I have a plan for Barcelona to get Neymar and how they could do it easily not easily, but they could do it simply, and they could do it this year if they wanted. Um, and maybe maybe we'll get into that. If they end up having like the surplus of Neymar, Dembele, Coutinho, I don't know how you play a formation that has no wingers, mm. you know? And you want three in midfield at least. That can't happen. So you're going to have Busquets in a two? Have we seen that regularly? No. So it's interesting. Like, like, like can, can Barcelona play a system that has just two midfielders? No. So how do you fit in that with not playing wingers? I don't know if that necessarily works. So it'll be interesting. Maybe Suarez has to take the bench. Yeah, you got to bear in mind, Suarez has been injured or battling a knee injury for the best part of a season now. 
maybe you play Messi in more like a false nine role with Griezmann wide, and then you pick one of Coutinho or Dembele to play the other. Too small, man. Too small. That's that. That's way too small of an attack. If you play, if you have like the Uso, Coutinho, Griezmann, and Messi, they'll probably make, they'll probably do a La Liga. They they're not they're not sniffing a CL. All right. Do you guys want to know my plan? For how Barcelona can get Neymar? Do you remember how PSG got Neymar and Mbappe in the same season? Oh, they two, they, they, they alone. They oh, yeah. In- Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. bought they bought Neymar for 222 million euros. And then from Monaco, they loaned Mbappe. Ingenious. They loaned Mbappe with like, we'll give you 180 at the end of the season. So basically, Barcelona, that's what they should do. Like you spent your money on Griezmann, cool. We'll loan in Neymar with the promise to pay like 250 or whatever, like next summer. That's the only way this could work. Financial fair play wise, probably in their pockets wise. And then you could kind of solve the dynamic there. So what do you guys think about that? Like a Neymar loan with like a promise to buy for crazy money in 2020. Well, will, will PSG accept that though? That's the thing. I don't know. It, it depends. I think, like, so. you, I think it, it really looks you, as if PSG are... Do you want the headache for, for the whole year would be the question. Yeah. It really seems as if PSG is ready to make, to go all in on Mbappe. And I don't, I don't think PSG would be doing this anymore if they had not got Mbappe and if Mbappe hadn't truly showing himself to be the real deal but Mbappe but, uh, can't understand the contract though he because he just Mbappe, i think Mbappe said that he's not signing a contract ex- extension and i think Mbappe has said he plans to maybe keep his options but i think Mbappe is like you know what's realm in madrid is probably going to be a destination but he does look like he's going to sign that contract extension so i think he's probably, got which probably leads me to believe psg has gone to Mbappe. look don't worry we're going to get rid of him quite soon and then this is your team <laughs> We've we've gotten a few questions about this, so I'll just I'll read them now. This one says, if Neymar stays at PSG, wouldn't it be the same story as the last two seasons? It's all dependent on his fitness, Dave. I mean, do you guys think if Neymar's fit and he stays at PSG, they they make like a semifinal or a final of the Champions League? I do. Uh, look, man, I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't look. He's gonna get injured again, man. The, the guy's like glass, man. So. Someone else asked, why are Barcelona transfers so dramatic, complicated, and protracted? At least that's the way it feels. Basically, MSN was a ridiculously expensive front three to assemble. It's one of the greatest, greatest strike trios you've ever seen in your life. That was so high in player salary that it fundamentally disrupted their squad. Barcelona transfers are quite bad because, well, are protracted because they don't really have the flippable assets that Real Madrid have. Real Madrid can very easily sell one of their squad players or part-timers for 40, 50, 60 million. I mean, you only need to look at what's going on with James Rodriguez right now to see what Real Madrid can do with a squad player. They sold Alvaro Morata to Chelsea for 60 million despite him being a squad player. <laughs> uh, whereas Barcelona have this sort of problem with La Masea right now where La Masea is not the conveyor belt of talent it used to be. So it's not providing first-team-ready players in the way that Barcelona used to rely on them, and nor is it re- creating players that massive clubs in Europe want to buy. What I think is particularly interesting right now about how many Barcelona players Everton have bought. Yeah, they bought Digne for eighteen million. They bought Yeri Mina, and, and they bought and they bought oh, one more uh, Gomez, Andre and Gomez. Gomez. Those, those are those are those are the players. They're not quite good enough for their first team, but also they're not great ways to fund transfers. Getting 20 million a pop for a player isn't the same as when Real Madrid, you know, flips someone for 60 million. So the money's not quite coming in. The academy isn't what it used to be. Mm. And the current squad is full of old players on massive contracts. Right? Who, who replaces Busquets? Frankie de Jong. Frankie de Jong is very, very expensive. Who's going to replace Iniesta or Xavi? They're only really, you know, they spent a lot of money on it now. And it's only really... Was Coutinho, isn't it? And it was going to be Coutinho, right? Like this, this is the problem. They're trying to replace the old guard from the Guardiola era, but they haven't got the funds from it from their own academy. And anyone who is good enough to instantly jump in is going to cost at least sixty million. And that's why mm. Barcelona are having problems to not. I was I was talking with some people like um, over a Hangout uh, maybe last week, and somebody was like, you know, Messi gets paid like ninety two million a year, and I was like, like endorsements ninety two million, and they were like, no. Barcelona pays him in like salary and bonuses, like goals and competitions and all that. Ninety-two million, ninety-two million dollars a year. I was like, that can't be right. 
They sent me the Forbes article. <laughs> and it says in Forbes, I'm reading it now. Lionel Messi total 127 million. That's how much money they made. Like I don't I don't necessarily agree with like counting people's pockets at this way, but we'll do it anyway. Salary bonus 92 million. So that's what he gets from Barcelona. They pay him 92 million dollars in a year. It's crazy. Endorsements 35 million. Um from Adidas, Gatorade, Lay's, Pepsi, Orito, Mastercard and Jacobs. Yeah, like the jewelers, I guess. Oh, I thought it was Jacobs, the, the, the biscuits. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> Jacobs and Co. So if you're paying one player $92 million, how much like how much money do you really have left over from that? I don't know. Like Maybe you could say like Barcelona is a multi-million dollar business or almost a billion dollars, whatever the case would be. But they're paying one player almost $100 million in a season. <laughs> like That's insane. And then you still have other you, – you might have like – 25 other first team players that you need to pay like how can you make it all wash without you know tricky accounting stuff tricky so accounting yeah 92 million a year again. also if you're making 92 million a year i kind of understand why these people get in like tax problems there's no way you can be like perfect with your taxes if you're making that much money that's a lot of cash man all right Where's this is call? now this is a super duper long question from a guy called peter parker ty pound sign hey guys hey. Long listener, as well as a PSG fan, multiple yeah. part question for tonight's show. He, he's basically asking, um, which player slash cash deal should PSG seek to make worth their time? Apparently, Barcelona have offered PSG the ability to take three from a list, including Dembele, Coutinho, Umtiti, and Semedo, plus cash. Which combination of those four players, Dembele, Coutinho, Umtiti, and Semedo, should PSG take? My thing with this deal is like, okay, so you have to have PSG agree that they want those players. Then you have to have those players agree that they want PSG. And then you have to have Barcelona agree to those deals. The hoops that you would have to jump through in order to get like three players to agree to go to PSG in order for Neymar to go the other way. I feel like that's way too complicated. I mean, I mean but, but couldn't you work a deal of Neymar, Cash, give us the Us and Coutinho? What if Coutinho or Dembele don't want to go to Paris? If I was PSG, I would do everything within your power to get Usman Dembele. Because yes. him and, would, and Mbappe would, are boys, right? Would, those two are boys. I would go to Dembele that you went to Germany for a little bit and you did okay. You went to Spain Too a little sure. bit and I kept snitching on you at PSG. You'll be back home. You'll be in the capital. We'll look after you. You can speak the native language. We'll sort you out all the best money with the best food. You get to play with Mbappe, and that's it. I would also make a very similar pitch to Samuel Ntiti, who I think is a spectacular centre-back. Yep. The fact that Barcelona want to get rid of him makes me very annoyed. Hope I'm going to try and, I'm gonna try and like mentally transmit a message to you. Why do you think Barcelona don't like him, Ntiti? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he's a great I think he's a great left-footed defender who is very styled in the defense that in defensive system Barcelona want to do is just that he's got a bit of the um the Sacco problem where he just runs a bit weird so he looks clumsy when he's doing it but I think Umtiti is fantastic probably the best center back they've got on their books right now oh yeah but he just looks a bit awkward when he runs mm. um and if Umtiti is available every team in Europe should be trying to buy him you got to bear in mind, he's so good, he's keeping Laporte out of the French national side. Laporte is uncapped for the French national team because Umtiti does everything Laporte does. And also, Umtiti has a personality, unlike Laporte. Or Laporte <laughs> Jesus. No, no, no. It, that, it, apparently, one big reason as to why Laporte is uncapped by France is because uh, during his most recent visit, or like last time with the French training camp, he very much kept himself to himself and didn't really interact with anyone. And Deschamps is very particular about personalities and who talks to who and who might disrupt what is a World Cup winning squad. And he thinks hmm. if anyone comes in and starts being really quiet or, or lowering the mood, he doesn't want them there. So that's one reason why he goes unca uncapped. I think he's got um, he's got like a disparaging nickname, like Ice-like or, or very cold. So yeah, yeah. Mutiti is Laporte, but best, but better. Uh, so yeah, if, if, you, if, if I'm PSG, I'll go, I will take 60 million, Coutinho, Dembele, and Titi, and I completely rebuild my team from there. But you know what is very, very worrying, kind of what Carl was saying. So Coutinho for me has been an, an utter flop for Barcelona. 
but I'm hearing more movements of Umtiti and the Us leaving than Coutinho. I find that pr- pretty damn odd. Now, and also just to add on, it's just telepathically sending signals to you and Dan. This is the same club who also greenlit a swap deal, taking Etso out and bringing Ibrahimovic in. And so, they, they got they got rid of Yaya Toure so they can play Busquets. Okay, so yeah, just tele- remember, telepathically just sending it, the signal was it, out. Was it, was it Kater who was also good yeah. in there and got rid of Busquets? Mm. <laughs> if I don't know that also shaped away. Well. <laughs> if if I speak in big trouble. Oh, God. Yeah, they they bought Henri. It's not all bad. Come on. No, but like I, I think the, the Usman Dembele package would be a, anything you could do to get one Usman Dembele in Paris, team him up with Mbappe to maybe stop Mbappe going to Real Madrid eventually because they're friends. You have and Dembele had his greatest season at Dortmund under Thomas Tuchel, who's now the manager at PSG. So they know each other. Like, anything you could do to make that happen, do it. Dembele in Paris makes way more sense than Neymar being in Paris. If, if you can make that happen and maybe get another player in. Umtiti as well, who's, you know, French. So if you can make that happen. But these players have to be willing to go. Or Barcelona has to be willing to let them go. And I don't know if Barcelona is yet ready to... Uh, you know, wash their hands of Dembele yet. I think they probably still feel like there's a good player there, which there is. And if Umtiti doesn't want to go to Paris for whatever reason, then maybe because he was like a, a Lyon guy or whatever, maybe he doesn't want to play for Paris. How can you make him? You can't. So it is what it is. I don't. I, these swap deals, they rarely happen. Like there's been one major swap deal really in the last three, four years with the Mkhitaryan Sanchez thing. Like, can you think of any other big swap deals that have happened? Yeah, I mean, like Edson Ibra was ages ago. So the main reason swap deals don't happen is because you once you try and get one, you immediately double the amount of people, or at least, or perhaps triple the amount of people you need to talk to to get a right. There's just too many variables to make these things happen. It's it's not like the NBA where like your contract, the owner can decide, or we can just decide, and you have no say. You have a say because I don't have to sign a contract with these people. It's not quite we don't do swap deals because they don't work. It's we don't do swap deals because it's just so hard to get over the line. It, it's twice as many agents. It's twice as many husbands, wives, brothers, people you need to relocate and find jobs for or homes for. It, it's so many more people you gotta you got to deal with and get done. I was reading something or maybe it was on, it was on television where... The reason Rakitic would never go to PSG is because Rakitic and Ander Herrera have the same agent. So there's no way that that agent would want two of his players in PSG's midfield competing for essentially the same position. So Rakitic to PSG would never happen just because of who the agents are. So there's these little things that that aren't even little, that they're huge things once you investigate them, that would stop that deal from happening. Even if PSG wanted him, the agent would be like, nah, I'm not going to have two of my players in the same spot playing for the same position. That makes no sense business-wise. And you got to bear in mind, agents in European soccer work almost in the opposite manner to agents in American sport. So an agent in American sport is very much, how are you? Are you comfortable? Are you playing very well in this team? Let's try and get you more money within your, within your team because that's what you're most comfortable for. Whereas an agent in European sport only really makes their money when a player is sold. So it is in a, it's always in a player agent's best interest that that player is moving between clubs for a lot of money every three or four years. Mm-hmm. So that's why you get what Raiola is doing right now, which is being very public going, yeah, Paul Pogba wants to leave. It's been very clear. Let's get this done. <laughs> maybe, maybe Pogba wants to leave. I'm, 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 at this point, I'm, I'm assuming Paul Pogba is 75% going, mate, I'm done with this. I need to get out. And I think that's being amped up because these agents going, I'll quite enjoy another 11 million. So let's get this over the line. Speaking of Manchester United, Carl, Harry Maguire. Apparently this is like an 80 million pound thing that's going to happen from Leicester to, to Manchester United. Like, can you, ex- is Harry Maguire rated elsewhere? Is he ever linked to Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, Juventus? Like, or is he only really like Harry Maguire's a deal in the Premier League? And I'm, if so, why? So we've been on this podcast before, and I think this is what, what we're going to get here is very similar to when Manchester City paid 50 million for Kyle Walker. And we all were very confused as to why. And basically, we made the point that Kyle Walker is English. He qualifies as homegrown. He is a good 
too great for player for his position. So we all agreed he was Champions League quality. And he was also definitely better than what Manchester City currently had. So the Carl Walker deal came after the Neymar deal. And I, I, I remember either you said it, Dan, or I said it was basically, we don't know what 50 million worth of fullback looks like yet because this hasn't been done before. What you're getting now, especially in defence and defensive positions, is post-Virgil van Dijk. Everyone's gone, wait, what? We're meant to spend loads of money on defence. We need to stop spending three or four times more money on attack than we do on our defence. And you've seen it now with goalkeepers, with uh, Allison and Edison, and to a, you know, to a, a bit of a qualified statement to Kappa at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. But now you're seeing teams around Europe understand that you need to spend, if, if there is a player out there who can dramatically transform your defence and is better than anyone you've currently got in your books, it does not matter. Because one, defenders just last longer. They will last five. Deletes. Deletes. Yeah, <laughs> right? They'll last maybe five, maybe five to 10 years on your books, right? 60, Manchester United spent 60 million on one Basaka. That's a lot of money. That's, that's, he, that's one of the most expensive defenders in Premier League history. However, there's a very good chance one Basaka will be at Manchester United for 10 years if, if he comes good. And that will take, that will make that, that money will look like, a mere pittance if it all works out, which I think is likely to because Juan Basaka seems to be a good lad with his head screwed on, barring injury. There's no reason why he will want to leave. With Harry Maguire, I think Maguire's got a very similar thing to Mtiti, where basically he is strong, he's very comfortable in possession. You can take the ball out of possession, you can take you can take the ball from defense and into midfield quite easily. He's got very good distribution. He's very good in the air as England's World Cup campaign and Leicester's last league campaign is evidence he can get you three to eight goals from set pieces a season which is very handy and again he's got he's got a little bit of the Mtiti and Sako thing where he just looks a bit weird when he's running which therefore you make he looks a bit or maybe it's sort of the Harry Kane problem where he just looks a bit dim I mean his nickname is Slabhead right yeah, he's yeah, slabbed because he's got a very big head. He's, he's, he, he's got he had that very fun thing where he was on the inflatable unicorn. Um, but he's a good to great center back, I believe. I, th I think he's definitely Champions League quality. I've seen players in the Champions League, perhaps not in the English clubs, but perhaps in at least some of the Spanish clubs where he is better than that. Mm. And I think. He's better than everything, anything Manchester United have in their books right now. You also consider his age. Harry Maguire is the same age as Phil Jones is right now. And Harry Maguire, I think we were all in agreement that he's better than Phil Jones. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. And yeah. smaller. Yeah. He's, he's, he's 26 years of age. So if you're buying Harry Maguire now, you're getting him for five years of good. Yeah. You're going to get good, good, a good five years of Harry Maguire. Before you 80 start million, about though. That's a lot. But here we go. This, and, and this is my theory about Leicester at this point. How how much money did they sell Morris for? Like sixty ish. Sixty. You guys remember? Yep. yep. Yeah. It was like around sixty. 60 million. So they got 60 million. so sixty for Morris. They want eighty for Maguire. They sold Conte for thirty two. Yep. So maybe they're like that selling Conte for thirty. Like we got fleeced thirty two million. Like I know they they spent five million on him from I think Can or someplace like that. But still, uh, Morris was five hundred grand. I think. And they sold him for 60, so it's not necessarily about how much they bought him for, but you sell your best player, arguably the best player in the Premier League, for 30 million pounds, essentially. 60 for Morris, 80 for Maguire. Who knows, like, when they want to sell Tillemans on. Like, we want 120, like, whatever the case may be, but never again are we going to sell the best player that we have for 30 million. Like, no. Nah. Well, That's crazy. Well, Ned, to, to put some qualifiers on that, the Kante deal was done prior to Neymar, and I think we really need to start putting a little... There's a there was a before the Neymar deal and there's an after Neymar deal. Kante went for thirty million when thirty million was still a lot of money. Kante went for thirty million when the when the most expensive player in the world cost eighty five million, whereas Harry Maguire is going when the most expensive centre back went for seventy five million. You know, and also I will put this little caveat: apparently the Harry Maguire deal is sixty million and then with an option of twenty million more. Uh, also, the thing about Harry Maguire is we don't know what eighty million worth of centre back looks like now, right? Because when Virgil van Dijk went for 75 million, a lot of people went, that's a stupid amount of money. You should never spend that much money on a centre-back. And, and then we went, wow. Let's be real, though. 75 mil pretty much gave Liverpool a Champions League. It was the 75 million on Virgil van Dijk and also the, I want to say, 50 million on Alisson. 
that was Liverpool's last piece. Yes. So like they they needed a center back, so they weren't playing Lovren every week. They need and once they got Allison, so Allison and Van Dyke, we can say those are the last pieces. You can't play Carius and Lovren every week and win a Champions League. We know. For Manchester United, though, this isn't the last piece. This is like you're getting there, but you still need like seven it's more starters. And white player, a central midfielder. Yeah, it's like, and if you're getting rid of Pug, but like, this isn't like a, a finishing piece or anything. Like, this move isn't going to move you from. All right, maybe I'll ask a question instead of a statement. Do you think getting Harry Maguire takes them from fifth, sixth into the top four? Nope. That's defense is a real problem. And I think they're hard to really just say Smalling and Jones, you need to just chill in Siberia for the next five to, 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 to 10 years. So getting a true quality central defender is a necessity. And if you've basically, if you've got the cash and they are saying 80 mil, pay the 80 mil. If let's say, you've, basically, if you've got like a, a 150 mil in the bank and you're saying 80 mil, I'm like, uh, bro, if you've got 200 in the bank and it's 80 mil, Bro, we need we need a top center defender because we need we've, we've seen how a defender can transform a team. Yes, we need to get pieces, but what if Pogba walks? What if Rashford suddenly just comes of age? What if Marshall begins begins to actually start playing like he was at Mon- Monaco? I don't trust this transfer winner for Manchester United. Let's mm-hmm. and let's put the clock all the way back to Mourinho was fired and Manchester United went. All right, we're going to get an interim manager and then we're going to get director of football before the next season starts. And then we're going to get a long-term manager. The PSG game happened, so Solskjaer was put was made the permanent manager. We've heard no talk about director football, nothing concrete. Sometimes it was going to be Marotta from Juventus, who now are Inter Milan. Sometimes it was going to be Edwin van der Sar. Other times it was going to be Monchi. Other times it was going to be someone else. Other times it was going to be someone else. And now we're in this weird system where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Mike Phelan are kind of doing the job themselves because... It seems as if Ed Woodward has no idea what director of football does. And when he talked to Monchi, apparently, Monchi went, wait, you have no idea what you're doing. Fine. You're going to have to pay me this much money. And then Ed Woodward went, what? No, that's way too much money. So what you're doing now is the same thing. Man United are, they're, they're going for this, this thing where they're trying to buy young, homegrown players with, with knowledge of the Premier League. But I don't believe they're doing it because they believe in that. I just believe they're doing it because it's the opposite of what happened last time. Basically, Edward Wood went, I'm going to buy loads of people from around the world, from around Europe and try and do Real Madrid model. And then went, oh no, that doesn't work. What's the opposite to that model? Let's buy young homegrown things. Mm. Um, yes, I've never been more underwhelmed by a team buying players in their problem positions. Why have they bought Daniel James? Yeah, he's a good signing, but he plays on the left-hand side of the field. <laughs> have him have some respect, bro. Why have they bought Daniel, why they bought Daniel James and not loaned him back? Right? Daniel James played Daniel James's best position is on the left-hand side of the of the of midfield or of the attack. You've currently got Marshall wanting to play there, you've got Alexis Sanchez wanting to play there, Rashford can play there as well. Like what Jesse Lingard can play there as well. That's a well-stocked area. Why have you bought that? If only because oh look, we've bought someone who's young uh, and and it's not it's, he's not he's not Di Maria. It, it's foolish. Yes, Juan Bissaka is great. Juan Bissaka was one of the best defense defensive right backs in the Premier League last season. Why have you bought him when you've got Dallo? Are you going to try and advance Dallo now, or are you going to move Dallo to the left and then demote Ashley Young? Why have you done that? Yeah, Harry Maguire is a really good centre back, but. Why not try and push the bar and try and get 120 million for Koulibaly, who it will, is definitely the difference between Europa League and the Champions League. Whereas Harry Maguire is maybe. They tried right, to how- be a cost-effective Real Madrid and that didn't work. And now they're trying to be a cost-effective Barcelona. Maybe this is more from like a fan perspective, but understanding your level. If you're at Leicester or if you're at Crystal Palace or Swansea, going to Manchester United and playing Europa League is like a step up. But if you're like the best centre-back for Napoli... I'm not going to come play Thursday football. Are you crazy? Like, Pogba doesn't even want to be there. He's your best player. So maybe it's a case of understanding the level that you guys are at. So maybe, now that I look at it from that perspective, like, Maguire's not that bad if you're, like, going to the Europa League. Maybe the price is weird, but it's England to England for an Englishman. It's it's underwhelming. I understand your point. But if you look at it, like, can we get world-class players the way we are now? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Delict was apparently interested in United, but went, eh, you're in Europa League. Um, Christian Eriksen was apparently linked, but also went, eh, you're in Europa League. And loads of these players were going, yeah, if you're in Champions League, we could get this done, but it's not a thing. 
And I've said this before, right? If you're a 24-year-old, 20, 24 to 27-year-old player in Europe and you're blue chip quality level, why would you go to Manchester United? What have they got? They haven't got a world-class manager. They haven't, they haven't got a manager on the same level as Klopp or as Pep or as... In fact, let's, let's get really raw with it. Unai Emery is a more qualified manager than Solskjaer. Ooh, Frank Lampard, with his championship playoff final, is a more qualified manager Yeesh. than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> Ralf Hasselhutl, from former league of Red Bull Leipzig and now at Southampton, is a more qualified and more proven manager than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Why well, am I going to play for that man? Right, so your manager isn't great. Yeah, Manchester United is a really good stadium. And? You're in the Europa League. Yeah, you've got like the only advantage. The, the only name, reason... the banking on the name, man. The name exactly, has... exactly. Like all, all you've got, all, all, all Manchester United really have to offer is money and like a lot of it. Basically, being we can pay you two hundred thousand pound a week, and then you we can also increase your social media following. So if you do any, so if you do prove yourself, you can go to Real Madrid or Barcelona or someone else. Manchester United went from being a European super heavyweight to being like, hey, you can spend three years here before you go else. They're a university. <laughs> they're a university for the other bigger clubs in Europe. That's what that's what they are now. There is no there is no reason why any top top player in their right mind should want to play for Manchester United right now. They haven't got the coaching staff. They haven't got the scouting staff. They haven't got even the medical staff with the top people in Europe. All they've got is money and social media, and that you can get that somewhere else if you play properly. Uh, yeah, we, we we can run through this quickly. Um, this is from Football Man's Four. What's the worst club country combination to have as a football fan? I'm torn between Milan, Ghana, and Arsenal, Ghana. It's Arsenal, Ghana is pretty. That's pretty bad in 2019. The, the worst one is Newcastle, Ghana. Oof. <laughs> like New, Newcastle and someone else, right? You want a club that very much could fix itself but won't because of itself. So that's a, so like Newcastle is a club that unfortunately will not figure itself out because Mike Ashley is there. And then you want a country that should be able to figure itself out and also doesn't want to figure itself out because of problems with the FA or the way they don't want to pay each other or whatnot. So, yeah. How about this? How about being an Argentinian Newcastle fan? That's pretty stressful. I don't know, I don't know how you end up there, but uh, that seems like it'd be pretty stressful because you ain't going to win anything in the national side until maybe if Messi goes. Or if Messi goes and then you're forced to sort out the larger problems in your FA and Newcastle are going to sort those problems out until Mike Ashley goes and you're forced to sort out the rest of those problems. During Graham Sooners' time as a manager at Ranger, he signed Mo Johnston, first Catholic player. Mark Walters, first black player. Avi Cohen, first Jewish player. Can you guys cut on the snide remarks about bigotry? Carl, take it away. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will not cut down on the snide remarks because one time, Graham Sooners, more recently than when he's time at Rangers, Said when Paul Paul was playing for Afri France, <laughs> and the mask slipped, right, right. I do not care if <laughs> Graham Sooners. How was say? How was say? What? How, what goes through your mind that's even to even be within your? Mind, muscle, memory, <laughs> logistical. Like, the man went Afro France. So, wow. Listen, you, have to, you have to be so backward. Afro France, bro. Wow. Okay. He was like, there's a lot of black players on that French team. <laughs> oh, 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 they might as well be African. So, Pug was playing for Afro oh, France. At least he caught himself, like, you know. Nah, but, too late, bro. Too yeah, late. too late, bro. Too late, too late. So, that was going on. And, uh, <laughs> Big run. Yeah. So I think what I want to talk about is basically I want to almost draw a parallel between Ron Atkinson. So Ron Atkinson played a lot of black players in his time and throughout his managerial career. He also was caught on a mic where Marcel Desai, a lazy effing N word. I am reluctant to use a manager's transfer record to make bold claims about where they stand in regards to human rights because I think. <laughs> Football managers, first and foremost, sign players based on, uh, is this player going to improve my squad? Yeah. Not, is this player someone I view as worthy of the same human rights as I am? Yeah, Graham Sooners did sign the very first Catholic player to Rangers and the very first Jewish player to another football club. But 
I don't believe he did that because he went, this is morally the correct thing to do. <laughs> I think Graham Souness did that because he went, that's a good football player. As many football managers do, Lauren Blanc has signed many black players in his managerial career. Lauren Blanc also said things about black African players that I think makes me believe he's a racist. <laughs> Maurizio Sarri, Maurizio Sarri is a homophobe. He has said things regarding gay people that I think are abhorrent. And for those reasons, I don't want him to manage my football club ever. However, I think if there was a very, very good player right now playing wide right in Europe who was gay, I think Sarri would buy him for Juventus because he's a good player. I will not use someone's spending habits to make bold statements on where they are politically and on, on their human rights thing. Just because I spend money on X does not mean I fundamentally believe X people have services. There are plenty of races right now with service workers in and around their home Ooh. that are of that are differently colored <laughs> from them. That's a good point. <laughs> like slave well, owners let slander. black women like take care of their kids. That doesn't mean that they love them. Yeah, that's <laughs> and also it's 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 more complex because you could definitely draw a part between the slave era and everything is like how Ron Atkinson viewed those black players where even if I do I do plead that these guys might be monkeys, gorillas, lesser than me, damn these guys are fast. Damn these guys are strong. Damn these guys are effective. And these fast, strong beasts kind of help me in my team. <laughs> so that's what I, I am using them as workhorses, as just things, machines to help me in my team because these guys are fast, they are strong, and they'll help me win football matches. Doesn't mean that I respect them or I see them as my equal. There you go. What What are your guys' thoughts on what numbers players wear? The reason I ask is because there's rumors in the Spanish press saying that Hazard doesn't want the number seven and he'll wear 23. Excuse ha me? There's rumors that Hazard wants to wear 23 and not number seven. No, Maybe he doesn't want the pressure of like following Ronaldo or something like that. I think like Hazard that. will be strongly told to get the number seven for marketing reasons. Yeah. But I mean, may maybe maybe Hazard likes LeBron or Michael Jordan or something like that. Maybe he wants to wear twenty three. I do think what numbers players wear is important, though. Very important. I care about it a little bit too much. I saw Zuma with fifteen, and I was like, No, 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 we got to get you like a single digit number, bro. Uh, I know. I, it's just preseason. How, how went Jan wearing three? You don't understand how that pisses me off. <laughs> like, there's just something about it. Wait, bro, you're a striker, please. You cannot wear a three as a, and like a defender wearing like a nine or a something. I'm like, no, don't, 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 please, because like it just, it just messes, it just messes with my, with my brain. It messes to my head. Yeah, it's supposed to be a left back. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, but the, I think uh, Carl, you told us like he's he, he wears three because when you say one, two, three, you lift something. Is yes. that the, is that the logic? Okay. Yes. Uh, so, UK, Silly, fans and UK listeners remember I was on um, Match of Day 3, the Premier League show, and I had an entire segment explaining squad numbers and where why certain squad numbers note to certain areas on the pitch and why a 3 used to be a left-back, for example, or why a 9 is always a striker, and then how things changed after 1995. I think I can possibly share that clip again with someone uh, for social media on Tuesday, if any of you would like to see that again, but I do, I do, I do care about squad numbers. It does really annoy me when a striker wears number two, for example. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Just stupid, man. Like, why? Okay, uh, why do most prodigies, wonder kids, end up being flops or average at best? And I'll link that from AJ Cool Sixteen with, if Yao Felix only has 37 professional games, how do you justify the fee? And someone asked, in today's market, 120 million gets Yao Felix, 80 gets Harry Maguire. So do we really have to stop the argument that he really is worth that kind of money and think that 100 mil today is basically 50 mil from the past? Basically, I think as we, we said before, the Neymar deal changed everything. After that Neymar deal, everything just gets risen up. So it's like you just have to, you can't view the number on face value. Everything is inflated. Everything is 20, 30, 40 million more than the, and the actual value price. So. so what do you guys think about the Yao Felix deal? 120 for a player that's played less than 40 professional matches? He looks like the real deal. He looks very much like a viable Anton Griezmann. Now they've got him, he's not of the same physical profile as Griezmann because obviously he's, 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 he's a child, more or less. And he's like a Portuguese child. He's very small. He's very slight. And I think the, the way Madrid 
Atletico Madrid have sold a number of their players, including Godin, or like or like let a number of their players go, including Godin. They're going to try and play more expansive football or try and play something not as smash mouth claustrophobic as they used to. Felix has every indication that he should be good. He was very, very good in a Portuguese league, which is still very, very hard to gauge quality. But the underlying stats make me believe he's the real deal. He's playing in Spain. He's moving with his family as well. So he famously didn't do too well when he was at Porto because he was away from his family uh, back in the day. He's quite the, um, I won't say mother's boy, but he's quite domesticated in that he likes to spend he likes to spend time with his family and whatnot. But I think also we're getting to a point where it's not just Neymar that we're realizing that Neymar is affecting transfers, but it's also the fact that we're gaining a great appreciation for transfers can be affected by what country you are, what what league you're going to play in, how many people are trying to buy you. So on a basic thing, when Barcelona tried to buy Cesc Fabregas back in the day, Barcelona did not have to bid too much because Fabregas was only ever going to go to Barcelona from Arsenal. And Arsenal went, look, he wants to go. We know he wants to go. We don't really want him on our team anymore because we're trying to change how much money we give for him. And Barcelona went, we'll give you 32 million. We think that's a fair amount. And I went, fine, go. Now, if Real Madrid were also in the market for Fabregas, there is a very good chance that Fabregas would have gone for maybe 44 million because you have two people rival bids driving each other up. There are way too many intricate outside factors than just one or two things that affect a transfer deal. And you cannot compare, like for stars, don't compare players who play in two different positions. Don't compare players from two different transfers. Don't compare players from two different seasons or two transfers or two different seasons because the market is changing distorted wildly. Try and take into account the number of suitors, where those suitors are from. Try and take into account a player's age. Try and take into account the amount of years left in their contract. And once you start looking at all those, you realize it's very hard to compare any one transfer to another transfer. And that's why you should allow that stuff to be assessed by experts like us on Talking Tactics. <laughs> okay. Double H consistently goes on about the need of local Nigerians in the national team and talent under the bridge. So why has he never covered or done a video on the African Nations Champions? A tournament yeah. similar to AFCON, but with only players playing in their local leagues. So how come your continental coverage is lacking, Double H, from Packed Mouth? Because I have no, because I have watched that African Nations thing, and I still don't feel those are the the right players are being picked. When I say under the bridge, I literally mean under the flipping bridge. So <laughs> those players there have been playing through clubs and everything, but I'm like, no, go to the very core. From I started say me, pick me, let me do it. You know, and want to, <laughs> let me go to under the bridge, you know, or or, or, or whatever, pick the players, and I'll give you a world cup in two, three years. Simple as that. <laughs> um, someone asked which uni did half hope graduate from. You want to answer that? Um, no, okay, <laughs> you, oh, you almost did. You almost got a question to ask. Me. No, no, because, because it's, it's, it's so perfect. Okay, why are you asking me personal questions, man? Why come on. <laughs> I don't know. People are curious. I'm a, no, um, I'm a myth. I'm a myth. Sorry, I'm a myth. Uh, Mason Boris, what's Half Hope's beef with Messi? Is he really that salty about what he did to his country that seconds after the Nigeria loss, he started throwing shade Messi's way? I have no Is beef with, with an international flop. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, who's who's more skillful, Caresma, Nani, or Robinho? Caresma. Hmm. No, no, but no. It, yeah, it, I'm going to say Nani. Robinho has more foot skills, but Charisma could do more, more, more crazier things. I well, see, like Charisma was so one-footed that he had to make his one foot insane. Hmm. Nani was skillful, but Nani was Nani always seemed to me like Cristiano Part Two, just like the United version or whatever. The answer to me is Robinho, but if you say Nani, I wouldn't be mad, and if you say Charisma, I get it. I think it's Nani. I think, do you remember, there's this adage by Bruce Lee, don't bring me the man who knows 50 moves, who's practiced 50 moves. Give me the man who's practiced one move 50 times. Robin. It's 500. But it's, it's limited. Robin. I think that, yeah. <laughs> don't want to use it for Iron Robin involving his cut inside on the left. I think Quaresma has great skill and obviously is famous for his Trivela three-knuckled shot. Trivella. I think all three players at their peak, Nani was the better one. And Nani was like, a player of undoubted skill and I think his major problem was inconsistency. Not was inconsistency. And sometimes we'll drop an eight and sometimes we'll drop a three. Whereas I think Charisma's peak 
was not as high as Nani's, and I think Rabinho just wasn't asked. And and also he looks like off the wall Michael Jackson. <laughs> Nani. Yeah. <laughs> like Valencia like, is thriller kinda? Mike. Nani is off the wall Mike. Last one. Uh, will Maguire live up to his price tag? Question mark. And congrats on 150 episodes. That Zidane documentary was dope from Wavy McGrady. MF Bane 301. So I think we probably already discussed the Maguire stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, uh... hard to say. Like, and also 80 mil, before I forget the price, just what it is. I've got a few questions here from Twitter, from the hashtag. Go ahead. All right. So from Sean Ivory says, What would be the best career move for Coutinho? Back to Liverpool? Siberia? What? No, no, no. Joking, joking. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, PSG under Tuchel, very attacking, very free. Give him that. I think he should try to stay at Barcelona and make that work, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But wasn't the whole plan from Coutinho and Neymar to be like teammates eventually on some like LeBron D Wade kind of thing? Cause they've been friends for forever. So we want to play on the same team. Wouldn't it make more sense for him to stay at Barcelona? If no, Neymar they could be coming? Compatible playing styles. One reason why Coutinho doesn't, why Brazil don't weren't very good at the world cup, but are a lot better at Copa America was because Neymar wasn't there, which meant Coutinho could, occupy his position on the left and drift inside mm. like Neymar, like Neymar likes to do. They play in the same area which is not ideal. Connor from Connor Non who says, do Liverpool have the best defence in the world at the moment? Yeah. Now Close Diego Godin is like into Milan, yes. If if Delete moves to Juventus, I think Juventus can rival them and if you have, you have Chiellini and your boy... But, but I'm looking at your entire back line. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um... Are we Probably. going to include goalkeeper in this, like like a back five? Yeah, we six? should include so, back five. So, yeah, so so if it's Allison, Robertson, Robertson. Trent Alexander Arnold, and then Matip and Van Dyke, I think that's. Well, the best. I, I even throwing Joe Gomez there in the in there as well for fair thing. enough. Yeah. But like Robertson, top Alexander Arnold, he goes both ways, and what he offers offensively and with set pieces, incredible. Uh, Allison, top three, four goalkeeper in the world. Mm. Van Dyke, best center back. Maybe you could argue like Koulibaly or somebody like that. So they have one bad spot, but it's not that bad in that other center back. So, yeah, I, I would say yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think now Diego Godin has left Atletico Madrid. It's them. All right. Sorry, two more questions. Um, Footy Wizard says, why don't you guys respect Cruyff, Platini, and Zico, three of the best players of all time? We do. <laughs> Who it's said we didn't horse. respect them, bro? Like... <laughs> they're not horsemen. <laughs> We Nobody asked no, no, no. about that just, before. It's just that they aren't the three best players of all time. That's just that's just false. They have they are very they're legends in their rights. I think Cruyff is one of the most important footballing figures in history. But no, they're not the three of the best of all time. Hell no, no way. And I think uh, did Platini was one of those three. I think he's kind of f-ed himself. Yeah, over, yeah. <laughs> like post playing career. Man. <laughs> all right, Platini has had has one of the greatest career years in all football. So the year where he wins the Ballon d'Or and helps France win the Euros, 1984. Michel Platini's 1983 to 1984 season is one of the greatest single seasons of a player ever. Michel Platini scores nine goals to help France win Euro 1984. Nine goals in an 18-team tournament. That's filth. In terms of you want a great one season from a player, it's Juventus, Platini, 1983 to 84. Final question from Saksham Gupta, who says, which position do Man United need to strengthen to get in the top four next season? And which suitable players can they afford to bring to get there? I don't know afford, because I don't know how big their budget is, but it looks like they're going to they're willing to spend north of 300 million, anywhere between 300 million and 500 million to get there. But I wrote this for a website at the end of last season that United... Bear in mind what I'm saying was what I wrote after they lost 2-0 at home to Cardiff, relegated Cardiff uh, at the end of the last season. I said they needed a new right back, they needed a new centre back, they needed a new left back, they needed two central midfielders, and they needed a right winger. <laughs> they needed a whole new team. What they bought is a new right back. Great. They haven't yep. bought a new centre back yet, but that's looking like Harry Maguire. They, I would still like another left back. Because I I think Luke Shaw can be improved upon, and also Luke Shaw could need backup. 
because I don't actually young playing more than twelve games next season. They have no news. They have no. I said they needed at least two centre midfielders because I believed well Herrera was going, and I believed Matic needed to be shifted on ASAP because I thought Paul Pogba was staying. If it looked Paul Pogba was going to leave, they need at least three central midfielders, Yeesh. maybe two. I, I want to give Fred a stay of execution. I think Fred can come good. So they need at least two central midfielders. Unfortunately, it's looking like they're going to get maybe one and Matic will keep playing. Oh, God, I think Matic is useless. They need a right winger. What they've done is buy a left winger and hope that he can play on the right. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if Daniel James comes good. Lukaku? What's going to happen there? Lukaku, I want Lukaku to come good. And this is very much tinged in I like Romelu Lukaku, the human being. Mm. Partway through last season, I said the only reason Romelu Lukaku shouldn't stay at Man United for the next four years is because being the number nine is the most influx position at football. More so than any one position in football, you can be happily being a number nine at a football club and then the manage, manager changes and they're just like, oh, well, I've got to go. That's what happened to Lukaku. Lukaku was doing was one of Mourinho's favourite people and ever-present and was always going to play under Mourinho. And then Solskjaer went, no, I want to play quick through balls and triangles. You have to go. And now Rashford's going to be the number nine and Lukaku's sort of like, oh, well, I guess I'll play on the right for now, but I prefer to go. I think Lukaku is great, is a good to great striker. I think he's being very hard done by, by Manchester United. I, he hasn't really been given proper service and he's being given far too much slander by a fan base that, frankly should know better. And I th- would like, if he goes to Inter Milan, I think he's going to absolutely wreck Serie A. And I want Lukaku to do well. And if he has to do well outside of Man United, then do it. That's very mature from you, Carl. <laughs> so that's that's the end of the questions, Double H? Yep. All right. We have uh, an extra to record, so we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, we're going to be talking about James Bond for anybody that's interested. Uh, I'll leave a little snippet at the end of the episode. So, yeah, remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, all the Talking Tactics. Um, if you're on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. Subscribe if you're on an Apple device. Um, it's free. If you do want to help, remember, uh, as I said just a second ago, we do have a Patreon account that you can look up and, you know, help support the podcast in that way. Carl, where can people find you? Anchorman616. Double H, where can people get you? Um, at Half Hope Hots on Twitter and at the Half Hope on Instagram. And I am at Daniel to look. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening once again. This has been Talking Tactics, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. No. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Stay black. What's up, guys? This is Talking Tactics Extra. Hopefully the best part of your week. (laughs) Yeah, I always say that. But if this is the best part of your week, like, we need to get an intervention. You know what I'm saying? Like, go somewhere. Do something fun. Um, But, yeah, Talking Tactics Extra. We're going to be talking about James Bond this week because some news dropped that I find particularly interesting, along with Double H and I think Carl, because he seems to be a James Bond aficionado. So, I'm not. I'm not. Not a fan of the James Bond. Well, no. I, I said aficionado, which means like you're an expert, not necessarily a fan, but like you, if you know, if you know a lot about a particular subject, wait, wait, wait. that makes if, you like. If you know, aren't you a fan? Don't don't those go both go hand in hand? No, no, no not necessarily. I know a lot about things I don't like. Yeah, like I know a lot about Arsenal. That doesn't make me an Arsenal fan. So, so do you guys know about the KKK? Yeah, I know quite a bit about them. Okay. <laughs> it's just a stupid name, bro. <laughs> and let's put clan with a K just to make it all work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay. What's wrong with like with with with, with KKC? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 that's just childish. K K K. That's just childish. Just KKC. Come on. Yeah, okay, this has gone off the rails. Anyway, back to James Bond. Sorry. Um. So it it was announced that uh, in the new Bond twenty five film or something. Miss Lynch, I'm forgetting her first name. Do does anybody know Lynch. it? Lashana Lynch. Stegen. Lashana? Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch is going to be uh... taking over the 007 moniker. Sports Social Podcast Network.